I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I am your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this is another edition of Paranormal Almanac. On this week's edition, we're going to be talking about some place that's close to my home. Just a few miles away is a place called Pasadena, California. You might know it as the home to the Rose Parade, or you might know it from some of the homes that you see that are featured in hundreds of TV shows and also all over movies like Marty McFly's house in Back to the Future, Doc Brown's house in Back to the Future, Pee Wee Herman's house on Pee Wee's Big Adventure. All of these were shot in Pasadena. But we're going to be talking about something that's a little bit more unsettling. Two places, actually. The first place, Suicide Bridge. Now, the Suicide Bridge is along Colorado Street over the Arroyo Seco Riverbed. It was built in 1912, but in 1932, it acquired its nickname that stuck with it to this day, Suicide Bridge. I'm sure you can guess how it got the nickname, but over 100 people have committed suicide from this bridge starting in November of 1919. In fact, over 95 people committed suicide there between 1919 and 1937, most of them during the Great Depression from 1933 to 1937. Now, it's easy to understand why during the Great Depression so many people would jump off this bridge to their death. It was a very easily accessible bridge. It was in Pasadena, so it's close to a lot of homes in L.A. But even though it's that accessible and that close to home, it's still an extraordinary number in such a short time. Now, obviously, there's numerous ghost stories that accompany this bridge from a doomed construction worker that was building the bridge, fell to his death, sank into the concrete, and was never seen again. Supposedly, his ghost can be seen wandering the bridge, trying to keep people safe. Now, another one is a murderer who, once he committed the murders, he couldn't live with himself anymore, so he jumped off the bridge to his death, and he's more of a sinister ghost that can be seen while people are driving or walking across the bridge. And sadly, the last ghost that I can find the most stories about is of a supposed distraught mother. She was so distraught from being divorced or being left that she brought her infant child to the bridge, threw the child off the side of the bridge, and then jumped herself so they could both die in unison. Now, as the child was tumbling down, she kept hitting branches from all the trees down below, and it slowed down the child's descent enough that the child survived. Sadly, the mother did not. Now, even though they added a suicide barrier to the bridge in the retrofit of 1993, the bridge still has suicide jumpers to this day. In fact, a lot of people say they see a man jumping from the bridge only when they report it, there's no body ever found, or when they look over the edge, they can't find the man that supposedly had jumped off. Now, there's numerous ghost stories and numerous stories of people that have uh, met their demise on Suicide Bridge. So I'm probably going to save that to another day during an investigation of Suicide Bridge. But let's move on to somewhere just below the bridge. It's another seemingly sinister location. It's a dam known as the Devil's Gate. It was built in 1920 to control the now almost non-existent floodwaters from the San Gabriel Mountains. Before it was ever a dam, though, it was a place that Native Americans considered haunted, and they also considered it a possible place that'll take you to the afterlife. In fact, they forbade people from going there, according to legends. Now, the reason it's called the Devil's Gate is because there's a rock formation that's right near the dam that if you look at just right, it kind of sort of looks like a devil's face with horns. Now, the Devil's Gate's notoriety continued to build through the mid-20th century with the disappearance of at least four children in the area. In August 1956, 13-year-old Donald Lee Baker and 11-year-old Brenda Howell 
went missing while riding their bicycles in the recreation area just behind the dam. They were last seen alive on a Sunday evening, but they just never returned home. In fact, hundreds of volunteers searched the foothills of the San Gabriels, while Navy divers checked the reservoir. Unfortunately, all that was ever found was their bicycles and Brenda's jacket. Less than a year later, in March of 1957, another boy, 8-year-old Tommy Bowman, vanished while hiking with his family. Now, he simply ran ahead, rounded a bend, and simply disappeared. Obviously, search parties scoured the area on foot and by horseback, as well as with helicopters, but he was never found either. Three years later, six-year-old Bruce Creeman vanished from the nearby YMCA camp. He wasn't feeling well and told a camp counselor, so the camp counselor watched him as he walked back towards the camp, which was no more than 300 yards away. Sadly, he never arrived, and neither of their bodies were ever found. Now, even though this sounds sinister or sounds like a UFO abduction or sounds like they were being zapped to hell, actually it has a more realistic reasoning behind it. Donald and Brenda's disappearance was solved when serial killer Mac Ray Edwards confessed to abducting and murdering the children 13 years earlier. He was a highway department worker who helped build Southern California's massive freeways, and he said that he buried their bodies underneath the asphalt, never to be seen again. Edward was sentenced to death for the murder of six children, but he took his own life while in San Quentin prison. There's been some recent interest linking Tommy's disappearance to Edward's activities as well, but his and Bruce Creeman's disappearances are still unsolved cold cases. But I have to imagine, just given the timeline, met their demise at his hands as well. Now, if, as if that wasn't enough, in the early 1940s, three men believed that the Devil's Gate held true magical powers. Those three men? Well, you might have heard of them. The first is Jack Parsons. Now, he's the founder of JPL, Jet Propulsion's Laboratory. Some say that he is the father of modern rocketry. The next man? L. Ron Hubbard. You might know him because he's the founder of an alleged bullshit religion called Scientology. Now, I say alleged because that's just what I read on the, on the internet. I don't know. Don't come after me, Scientologist. I'm just telling you what I read online. And the third man, the final man, his name is Aleister Crowley. You might know him as well. He was the occultist and founder of the religion of Thelema and a supposed Satanist as well. Well, we'll get to that in a second. So Parsons and Hubbard were friends. And from what I can weed out about them from all the BS online is that they had crazy sex parties, ritualistic, hedonistic sex parties at Parsons Pasadena Mansion, which was called Parsonage. But before all of that happened, something paranormal happened. It's really hard to say which is true because, again, there's a lot of crap online. There's one site that quotes another site that seems to quote another site that are all quoting the same crap verbatim ad nauseum. I couldn't tell what's real and what's not. So I'm going to give you two versions of supposedly the events that happened at Devil's Gate with these three men. So let's start with story one. Jack Parsons, again, founder of JPL, was very involved in a secret society, the OTO. In fact, it's still active in California and around the world today. It followed the teachings of Aleister Crowley. Satanism, uh, magical powers, very similar to the other secret societies like the Freemasons and whatnot, but with more magic involved. Now, Parsons and later L. Ron Hubbard were rumored to have been trying to create a quote-unquote moon child. According to this first story and all the information I can find, a moon child is a sort of antichrist that they believe would overthrow 
modern society through magical rituals specifically conducted at the Devil's Gate due to its mystical energy and magical powers. In fact, Crowley supposedly called the Devil's Gate one of the seven portals to hell. Now, some occultists believe that the rituals actually did happen and actually opened a portal that allows negative energy and non-human entities to pass into this world. They, in fact, created a Devil's Gate, an opening straight to hell. Now, that's version one. That's a very bleak version one, but it's version one nonetheless of this story, that these three men, all three of them, combined their magical powers through sexual rituals and magical rituals and opened a gate to hell right there in Pasadena. Version two is slightly different. In version two, in 1945, Jack Parsons separated from his wife, Helen, after having an affair with her sister, Sarah. Now, from everything I can find online, this is true. This actually happened. Now, Sarah went on to leave Parsons for L. Ron Hubbard. Again, from everything I can find online, this seems very true. But here's where it differs from that first story. Parsons conducted the Babylon Working, which is a series of rituals designed to invoke the Thelemic goddess Babylon to Earth. Now, this ritual is essentially designed to manifest an individual incarnation of the divine feminine called Babylon, not Satan at all. From what I can tell, this has nothing to do with Satanism or evil for that matter. Um, and in this version, Crowley isn't even involved. There's no mention of him being there. There's no mention of him being there. There's no mention of an antichrist baby that's, you know, designed to destroy the world. There's no mention of an open portal that continues to this day that brings forth demons and other crap from other dimensions. But from what I can find, this second story seems more true. I'm not saying that Babylon was summoned and then, you know, she was incarnated at the Devil's Gate. But I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. What I'm saying is, from all of the stuff that I can find online, it seems that this is what their objective was. Their objective was Babylon, not Satan. And they did seem to do it at the Devil's Gate. For whatever reason, Devil's Gate is the crux of this story, the, the little, the true piece of this story. Now, sure, this second story doesn't have the wow factor of three now infamous men summoning the Antichrist to Pasadena, but it definitely is still pretty weird. Now, the Devil's Gate, even though all this stuff happened in the 40s, the Devil's Gate still has stories to this day. Hikers that have no previous knowledge of the Devil's Gate that just happen to be hiking through the area have reported strange sightings, strange feelings, the feelings of being watched, the feelings of being followed, the feelings that, um, or the sightings of people that would appear and disappear, as well as paranormal investigators that go to the Devil's Gate to this day, have EVP sessions that they can't explain, have uh, sensations of someone touching them or moving something. There's actually seems to be a lot of paranormal activity that still happens at the Devil's Gate to this day. But what, let's go back and find out what happened to those three men. So after Hubbard and after L. Ron Hubbard and Sarah defrauded Parsons of his entire life savings, Parsons resigned from the OTO and went through various jobs while acting as consultant for the Israeli rocket program. And in fact, um, around the time of McCarthyism, he was accused of espionage and left unable to work in rocketry. In 1952, Jack Parsons died at the age of only 37 in a home laboratory explosion that attracted national media attention at Parsonage, his mansion. Now, the police ruled it an accident, but L. Ron Hubbard is rumored to have warned Parsons of this exact death, that he was going to die from an explosion at his home. Speaking of that home, uh, Parsons' Pasadena home 
Parsonage also served as a satanic temple and hedonistic playground for Hollywood's high occult society. But because of the explosion, nothing remains of Parsonage. Condos now stand where it was. And in fact, there's also paranormal activity that is around those condos and in those condos that you can find online. There's a lot of odd things and loud sounds and odd uh, sightings that happen that occur at the former site of Parsonage. Now, L. Ron Hubbard, what did he do? Well, he went on to create an alleged cult-like bullshit religion. Again, this is all from the internet. I'm not personally saying this, so Scientologists don't come at me. I'm just telling you what I saw online, what other people wrote online, that it seems like uh, this supposed religion is bullshit. I'm not saying that. Well, anyhow, L. Ron Hubbard's death uh, came in a motorhome while he was uh, still collecting hundreds of millions of dollars from hardworking people that happened to be part of that cult. I'm sorry, that cult religion. And um, he was being sought by the IRS for tax fraud at the time. Sadly, quote-unquote, he suffered a stroke and he died there. And Aleister Crowley, well, he died in Sussex in a boarding house of chronic bronchitis. So with those three men gone, the Devil's Gate still lives on. So the next time you're driving down the freeway towards Pasadena and you see the suicide bridge, just know that at least 100 people have jumped off that bridge to their death. And stranger still, just below that bridge somewhere is a place called the Devil's Gate, where either the Antichrist was brought back, a gate to hell was opened, or a divine feminine being known as Babylon was summoned. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Kurt Sandvig. I hope you enjoy these little mini-episodes. Don't worry. I'm going to be back with more interview-type episodes, some of my long-form episodes, coming up very soon. Sadly, uh, around the Halloween time, all of my friends that are into this, that have great stories that I want you guys all to hear, um, they're all busy because it's Halloween and they're all out having fun on their favorite holiday. But fear not, I've got some great interviews lined up coming up very soon. And in the meantime, I'm going to do a lot more of these mini-episodes, which again, I hope you like. So please let me know what you like or you don't like. Um, Go to our Facebook page. It's Paranormal Almanac. Let me know what you want to hear. Is there a specific cryptid or paranormal story you want to hear? I'm more than happy to talk about it. If you have a specific story of your own, please message me on Facebook. It seems to be the quickest and easiest way to get a hold of me. And tell me your story. If I like it, I'll tell it on the air. And if I really, really like it, maybe I'll have you on the show to tell it yourself. And finally, please go to iTunes. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to us there. Um, That really helps get the word out about us. Uh, Tell your friends about us as well, but make sure you subscribe on iTunes. And if you can, leave a good review for me. I do really appreciate all of the messages and uh, comments that I've been getting. I'm trying my hardest, and I hope you guys like what we're doing here. So once again, I'm Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. (laughs) 